a mini message today. Aaron's going to say something as well. And uh, then, uh, so I'll have my message, then I'll go out and bring the kids back. Um, Aaron will talk a little bit about baptism in front of the kids, then we'll all go out to the pool. That's how it's going to happen today. Really wanted to keep heading towards Bethlehem. So we're heading towards the birth of Jesus. And you'll remember that the angel had appeared to Zechariah. And the angel said to Zechariah, you're going to have a son, and his name will be John. So that was down, uh, down south. Then the angel, that same angel, Gabriel, comes about 100 kilometers north to Nazareth, uh, about from here to Wairoa. And then the angel speaks to Mary as well. So we're going to put that up on the projection. This is Luke 1, 26, 45, 26 to 45, but also verse 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So that was a betrothal, betrothal um, way more serious than our engagement. It was sort of halfway to being married. Um, and once you were betrothed, about a year later you'd get married. Uh, from betrothal, you could call, um, the, the groom could call the wife-to-be his wife. That's how serious it was. And... So the angel comes to Mary, to a man. Mary was a man was to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, "Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you." Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, own, her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in the sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Did you hear that? No words from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her, and Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, 
where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Mary is not great. Mary is not great. Some great attributes about Mary, but she's not great. Uh, she's greatly troubled, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled. Thanks, Dan. Mary was greatly troubled at his words of the angel. Verse 29b, and greatly confused, Mary wondered what kind of greeting this could be. She's greatly favoured. Verse 28, greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you, the angel says. Mary's greatly blessed. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. Mary's greatly obedient, verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Greatly obedient, verse 39. She got up and hurried. Didn't fluff around. Didn't drag her feet. Didn't do a Jonah and go in the opposite direction. Didn't dig her toes in and say, I'm not going anywhere. She hurried where the Lord God had directed her by the angel. Same as in Matthew's version, when, when the angel warns her and Joseph, says they got up during the night and left. Quick obedience. Greatly obedient and greatly humble. I'm the Lord's servant, verse 38. So Mary, greatly troubled, confused, favoured, blessed, obedient, humble. And the danger is, the danger is when you're a recipient sometimes of God's favor and, and giftings and whatever that is, uh, beauty or intelligence, material blessing, uh, character, revelation, divine encounter, you can start to think that you are great, but we're not great. We're not great. Even when we're recipients of great things from God, we're not great. But God is great. God is great. Verse 32, the most high, the most high, the greatest, the most important. This 35, the power of the most high will overshadow you. Kato marumaru iho tukaha kironga kiakwe. The power of the most high will overshadow you. God is great. And verse 37, nothing is impossible 
for God. There's no limits on God. Nothing's impossible. Some things were not possible for Mary, but nothing is impossible for God. Church, next year, nothing's impossible for God. Even this year, nothing's impossible. 43, Elizabeth says, Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Think about that. Elizabeth was the wife of a priest. She is a recipient of a great miracle, incredible woman of integrity, morality. But Elizabeth, the elder, esteems the teenage Mary, her niece, the mother of my Lord, and particularly the baby within Mary. You see, because not only is God great, Jesus is great, because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He, the Son, verse 33, will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. His kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, will never end. God is great. And Jesus is great. And because Jesus is God. And his kingdom will never end. Should we say that together? His kingdom will never end. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him. Thank you, Courtney. We're uh, going to do a small, short um, baptism talk. And I thought I'd just start by um, what does the Bible say about baptism. And I'm just going to read one passage in um, Romans 6, um, verses 1 to 11. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live to it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. If we have been united, so that's a key word in this passage is about being united with Christ as death and resurrection. If we have been united with him in, this, in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. <clears throat> now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So uh, this passage just has a few key points that uh, in baptism we are identifying with Christ, with his death and resurrection. Um, so... 
year. And when thinking about baptism, it's really very closely knitted together with the gospel. It's the proclaiming and declaring the power of the cross in baptism. So in Corinthians we read, um, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So when a person goes under the water and comes back up, in the spiritual realm we can't really see what's going on. We've just read what's going on, but we, we don't fully probably grasp or see what's going on in the spiritual realm. But there's a transaction going on there. And um, it's like um, it's like there's a cleansing going on. Yeah. So, so why do we get baptised? So I've just got a real simple answer here. Um, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So getting baptised, it's an act of faith, but it's also an act of obedience. We're just obeying what God said in his word. Uh, so everybody out here is a witness today. You might not know that, but you're a witness. So normally before baptism, the person that's getting baptised will say, I believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection, and he raised again on the third day paid for my sins, something like that. So your witness is to their confession of faith. And it's quite good to vocalise your faith and not be ashamed. So that's going to happen today. But also, what else can you do? You can pray, you can have faith and expectation, uh, you can have a scripture, a word, or a prophecy. Um, and when I was uh, preparing for this, uh, there's a couple of verses that just came to mind because the enemy likes to have his little work too and I just really wanted to speak this over um, Rachel and Jed um, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so when it comes don't believe it don't accept it and Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So when you get baptised, it's symbolising that the old has gone and the new has come. Just believe it.